Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Gabe. Hi, I'm Kelly. Ah, we got the... But not the the Kelly you're used to. (laughs) We got the boss. Kelly of the North. Is that what I'm called now? Kelly of the North. Um, Welcome to uh, the the remote, uh, the remote podcast. How are things in Cleveland? Well, you know, LeBron has um, left the Cavaliers, but as uh, my Twitter or followers and friends know, I am devoted to LeBron because like me, he's just a kid from Akron. And I got nothing but love for LeBron, uh, no matter where he works. Um, disappointed that he didn't stay in Cleveland, but nothing but love for LeBron. He does so much good stuff for Akron. I, yeah. I could never be mad at him. The the boys and girls clubs of Akron specifically has been, uh, I believe, his his primary charity to support in addition to his own charitable foundation so well and yeah he's doing revolutionary work um you know he's opening up in partnership with the akron public schools his own school his i promise school um and they're doing wraparound services for the students and it's all leading towards basically getting an entire generation of akron's kids to be able to go to college for free it's right. it's transformational for for the city of Akron and the surrounding community. And honestly, one of the smartest, most inspiring philanthropic acts I've ever seen. So, you know, he's obviously the greatest of all time. <laughs> and um, and I love his charity work. And I also love that he's put Akron on the map in such a positive way. When I travel, no matter where I go, you know, you check into a hotel or you get into a cab and Someone asked you where you're from, and when I would always say Akron, people were like, oh, where's that? But since LeBron, they're like, oh, like LeBron, and you know, I smile every time, and I'm like, yeah, like LeBron. We're we're so proud of him. <laughs> you're like, I'm like LeBron. I was born in the same hospital, you know. I'm just <laughs> saying, and and I think uh, Representative Sykes was too. Um, she she's uh, you know he's from her originally from her district and. And she calls it the birthplace of champions. So, yeah, we were um, all born in the same hospital, as was Stephen Curry. So, yeah. do with that what you will, listening public. <laughs> I I do think that he'll always be, uh, you know, you guys' uh, hometown hero. Uh, in in terms of sports, though, the minute where he looked at uh, uh, Jr. Oh, in game one, you could just see that on his face. That's the point when it was like, oh, he's leaving. I was so upset. I was like, how could you make LeBron make that face? Like I was like, I, I, I just, I just wanted to kind of smother him after that. I was like, well, you can't, don't do that to Bronny. Come on. We love yeah. him. Don't make him make that face. That was awful. Okay. A- and we lost. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go from the NBA uh, to the, to the, the major leagues. Um, yeah, for real. It's, uh, it's game time. Uh here in the United States, uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy uh, has announced his resignation. Um, and so this is the outcome that Hillary warned us about back in 2015. Oh, um, but her emails gave her emails. And her emails, you know. But, uh, one but of, I didn't one of her, like her. 
uh, one of her former staffers that I follow on Twitter uh, occasionally has has this genius refrain. Uh, anytime there's another angle to the Trump scandals, and she'll just tweet out, "All this or a woman." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I, you know, I think a lot of people were surprised by the uh, Kennedy retirement, but a lot of us weren't. We'd been hearing the rumors for a long time. And look, this is this was Trump's big promise to the conservatives. This is how he got all these so-called, you know, conservative Christian groups to support him no matter what he does. Put babies in cages, not a problem. <laughs> Sex scandal, no problem. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, brink of, you know, like dealing with dictators, no problem. Um, because they have been fighting and orchestrating and scheming for 45 years to get us to this moment. And there was nothing that was going to derail that for, for the architects of uh, the attempt to overturn Roe versus Wade. So, you know, if they had to be in league with Trump, no matter what he did, um, you know, they were going to do it. And now, you know, he's, he's repaying that, that loyalty. Um, you know, rumor has it that the, the, the candidates that he's, he's looking at were all from that list of 25 that were vetted by the Heritage Foundation um, that all said that they would overturn Roe versus Wade. Trump promised he would only nominate someone who would, you know, vote to overturn Roe versus Wade. But now in, you know, classic gaslighting fashion, Trump and his people are kind of walking it back. Well, you know, we're looking for, you know, really scholarly qualified people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, sure. Like it's, it's like they think that, um, audio and video recording weren't invented yet that we can't look back and see what they said before. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it has always been the, the thinnest veneer, uh, of, of Trump attempting to, uh, look like the candidate that these, um, uh, you know, anti-choice groups would want to, uh, want to support. And, and I always found it to be that, uh, you know, the flimsiest line was uh, when he was asked on the campaign trail, what's his favorite book? And he just went, the Bible. Uh, oh, and what was his favorite uh, uh, chapter and verse and book? Two Corinthians. Like every time at church, there's a reading out of Second Corinthians, everybody giggles and they go to Corinthians. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think you're you're exactly right. This is the... Uh, the Mike Pence wing of the Republican Party mm -hmm. is is cashing in um, on uh, you know on an agreement that maybe was a silent agreement publicly. I'm sure it was expressed out loud behind closed doors, um, and and now is their shot to to fulfill what they've always dreamed of. Um, right. Well, and I think you know a lot of people are upset with Kennedy that he would do this. Um, but there's been a lot written, I won't rehash it all here, that Trump really courted Kennedy um, to get him to step down at this time and I think really promised him a lot of things in terms of his legacy and in terms of what the court would look like um, in the future. And, you know, so he, he's doing this as a way to insulate himself from all the other problems. The question is, um, how, do, how does this change the election how does this how does this change the court what you know how does this all play out and i think the really big thing for people to keep in mind 
is now that this has happened, now that the swing vote on the court is, is up for replacement, nothing is hypothetical anymore. Right. All the times that candidates filled out questionnaires and said, you know, to get an endorsement from an anti-choice group, yes, I would vote to outlaw abortion. I would, you know, I'm against Roe versus Wade. That was all hypothetical until last Wednesday. Now it's real. And, and I think that that is going to be an absolute game changer um, for the foreseeable future in American politics, um, most especially in this election. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you hit on and what they've been doing to, to make this happen. I, I, I do want to kind of, uh, before we move past those, do you, do you feel that to get Kennedy off the court, um, uh, just to back us up here a second, do you feel that the appointment of Neil Gorsuch was part of that, uh, part of that plan Gorsuch being Kennedy's old law clerk? I think that could be part of it. And there are other um, potential nominees with Kennedy um, connections on the short list. But, you know, as I was kind of preparing to come on the, the podcast, I was looking back at who's on the court now. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, beyond kind of this nomination fight, they have youth on their side. Um, in terms of the four justices that are solidly against Roe and marriage equality, a lot of other things, you've got Gorsuch at only 50. Yeah. You have the Chief Justice Roberts at 63. You have Alito, who's 68, and their oldest is Thomas at 70. You flip over to our side, our youngest person is Kagan at 58, followed by Sotomayor at 64 followed by Breyer at 79, and then, oh God, the St. Ruth Bader Ginsburg at 85. Um, and a lot of the nominees that, that Trump is looking at now, some of them are even in their 40s. Right. One, of, one of the people on the shortlist was 40. And, you know, I thought with, you know, Gorsuch, you know, being within a couple years of my age was a really young guy to be on the Supreme Court. And right. now they're looking at, you know, 40 year olds. And um, when I was talking to my nieces about this at home, trying to kind of explain what this all could mean. You know, I was thinking about like the person who gets this nomination, um, you know, uh, my niece is there in their late teens, early 20s. That person could be on the court until till these kids are in their 50s, right? 60s. Yeah. Um, these are people who will who will utilize the lifetime appointment angle yeah. uh, of this. Yeah. So, you know, I think whoever gets on there, both because I think they're likely to pick someone very young and very conservative, they're going to be there a long time. But they also have four other pretty young people who are going to be with them. That that five is going to be there a long time. And when there are more Supreme Court um, vacancies in the future, they're likely to be you know, Ginsburg and Breyer. Right. You know, so it's, this, this is transformational in terms of everything to do with rights that are decided at the Supreme Court, you know, whether um, it's environmental issues, whether it's a marriage equality, abortion, um, union rights, so many things um, for a very, very long time. That's why I think the, um, 
the fight around this nominee is going to be uh, more intense than we've ever seen, at least since Bork, and maybe more than that, because it will impact things literally for decades to come. Right. Um, we've uh, we've started to hear uh, people talking to their members of the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think when it comes to the Senate uh, playing their role of confirming a nomination, uh, the advise and consent angle of it, uh, the first thing here in Ohio is um, we're always incredibly grateful for uh, the leadership of Senator Sherrod Brown. Um, he's been you know, one of the best champions for, uh, for women, for reproductive rights, uh, across the country. Um, yeah. (laughs) Well, just thank God for Sherrod. Um, (laughs) you know, for so many reasons, um, you know, he is, he is an abashedly, um, pro-choice and pro-worker and so many other things that we care about. Um, I think the scary thing is, though, that he's up for re-election. And I think the people who are trying to stack the court are going to come after champions like Sherrod, who are on the ballot this year, as an attempt to have them not be there and be able to cast a vote um, against a Trump nominee who would be there to overturn Roe versus Wade. So, you know, that that election, although Sherrod's been doing really well, I don't I don't think anyone can take that for granted. Um, just as Sherrod is is unquestionably going to be there for us. I think people really need to um, support him um, during this fight in, in a very serious way. And, and I think the flip side of that, they you know, they also you know, they they need to hold Portman accountable. Right. Um you know, uh, some people say, well, you know, we really have to look at, you know, Senators uh, Murkowski in Alaska and Collins in Maine to to kind of get the number of votes needed to block the nominee. And that's true. But that doesn't mean that people like Rob Portman should get a pass, because, as I you know, as I said before, nothing's hypothetical anymore. You know, anytime these politicians were confirming people on the courts before or sponsoring legislation or saying that, you know, saying whatever they had to say to get the endorsement of these anti-trace groups. That was all when we were in a hypothetical situation and that is gone. And I, and I think every constituent needs to hold Senator Portman accountable and say, are you really going to do this? Is this really your legacy? Are you really going to roll back 45 years of precedent and allow abortion to become outlawed in various states across this country. Um, you know, I think that's a very different prospect than, you know, what the, you know, candidates like or, or officials like him said before when it was still pretty hypothetical. Right. Yeah. You know, for, for all the talk over the past several decades of abortion is a wedge issue and, you know, people looking at it as um, maybe something that one side or the other would bring up uh, to, you know, to get voters uh, to, you know, to move for emotional reasons. It's, it's really uh, the point, uh, you know, where the rubber hits the road, these choices will actually remove or protect rights. Well, and as, as some listeners know, our Cleveland office is in preterm, which is a not-for-profit abortion clinic. And, to, to get to our office, you have to walk through one of their waiting rooms. 
Um, and I walked through this morning and the waiting room was packed and I couldn't help but look around and think, where will they go if Rose overturned and hmm. abortion is outlawed in Ohio? What will happen to the women who are in their shoes in the future? And I think that is a sobering thought for, for anyone who cares about, um, cares about women, cares about whether or not we're healthy, whether or not we, we live or die, whether or not we're able to make decisions about our bodies and our futures. I mean, that is, that is really what's on the line. And to, to walk through that waiting room every day, um, particularly now while we're going through that fight, um, keeps, keeps me at least, um, and I think the other staffers here, really focused on why we're doing this. This isn't, this isn't some Machiavellian political um, game. Um, I mean, it is for some people in DC, but for us, it's really about protecting women's lives. The women that we see every day, um, you know, one in three women have an abortion at some point in their life. Um, as, as the saying goes, you, you know, and probably love someone who had an abortion. Um, and, you know, what would you be willing to do to keep them from having to face needing an abortion and not being able to get that? Um, like in my own family, you know, my grandmother had an illegal abortion in the thirties. And when I took this job, I swore I would never let that happen again. Um, and in, you know, now we are really here at the beginning of that moment. Um, you know, won't, none of this stuff is going to happen overnight. Um, but this is the, kind of the beginning of the end of the chess match that, that the political operatives and the legal people and the judges have been playing to get us to the point where Roe versus Wade, whether or not it stands is not hypothetical anymore. Right. Right. You know, and, and just at the point when we have, you know, won such a terrific victory with whole women's health, um, yes. <laughs> you know, and, uh, great guidance on how to combat these, uh, minuscule, uh, incremental attacks on abortion providers that were, were harming abortion access. Um, we'd look like we'd turned a corner, uh, and, and now we're coming, uh, <laughs> if this was a video game, this would be like the big boss at the end. So. <laughs> yeah and and i think and and it's coming at a time when um you know ohio also has a major election and when we've been on um the the hard end of 20 restrictions on access to reproductive health care losing half of our abortion clinics um and finally battling back a saving uh, abortion access in Toledo. I mean, the activists in Toledo dug in and fought for years to save their clinic and got a new license. And, you know, like you said, you know, there's this momentum and now we have to fight the big fight. And, and I do think because the momentum, I think that, I think it is winnable. I think, look, the public's with us. Um, you know, seven in 10 Americans support abortion rights. Um, you know, polling was done just in June by the Kaiser Family Foundation. 67% of the public don't want the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. Right. You know, and when people say, well, this is an uphill fight, we can't do this. And I said, there's nothing that 67% of the public, if they're united on this, can't accomplish. That's, 
you know, you don't, you, you can put the kind of pressure on politicians with that kind of a majority that, that makes a difference, that, that makes the difference. Because politicians, the one thing you can count on, they want to get reelected. <laughs> they care yeah. a lot more about their future um, than just about anything else, most of them. Um, and you can, you can count on that as a motivating factor. And I think that's really what we have to do. Right. You mentioned the, the 20, uh, abortion restrictions, um, passed during the Kasich administration. Um, we've seen Kasich sign, uh, a 20 week ban, mm -hmm. a post viability ban. Um, uh, he, uh, he came at odds. Uh, with the supporters of the six-week abortion ban, and there's been the schism in the state of Ohio between mm -hmm. the Kasich uh, Ohio Right to Life uh, group thinking that you know they would continue to pursue an incremental strategy versus uh, the people supporting a total abortion ban, a personhood amendment, the six-week ban, um, and the the main point was uh, that those people wanted to trigger a court challenge. Kasich and Ohio Right to Life wanted to avoid a complete court challenge because they always felt that if they lost, um, that that would strengthen Roe. Uh, with a new court, it's a new game. So uh, what are your thoughts on, as Kasich leaves office, uh, the next governor of the state of Ohio? Well, I think two things. First, we have to get through lame duck before we have a next governor of the state of Ohio. Okay. And, and I think that's a dangerous time for people who don't understand that terminology. It's the period of time where the current elected officials are still in office after the election, but before the end of the year. And that's oftentimes when we see new restrictions come at us. I think that, it, look, whether it's Ohio right to life or created equal or, you know, the, the so-called heartbeat bill people, they all have the same goal. They always have to capture the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. They just disagreed on how to get there. Right. Um, they all always had the same goal. That's why we've always said it didn't matter what abortion ban we were talking about. They all had the same goal, which was to eventually, you know, have Roe versus Wade be overturned so that they could outlaw all abortions for everyone all the time. So I think, look, would Kasich sign the six-week ban this time when he vetoed it last time? He might. He might not. I think, you know, he has presidential aspirations. And I think pro-choice forces really have to make him think twice about whether um, he would be a valuable presidential candidate if he does that. Um, you know, I think that's where the grassroots power really lies, you know, where we can, you know, come to these politicians, whether it's a state rep or a governor, and say, listen, pal, you do this. This is this is legacy time. This is career ending time. You know, this is the third rail. You don't touch this. Um, you know, we will fight for this and we will we will bury you politically for this. But, you know, God forbid, um, you know, if if uh, Mike DeWine, who's our current attorney general, if he becomes governor, um, he's already said he would sign the six week ban. And I honestly think that he would sign the criminalization ban. Um, there's legislation, as, as many listeners know, already pending, co-sponsored by 20 Ohio state reps, current state reps, 20 out of the 99 already signed on to a bill that would make abortion punishable under murder statute, including a capital offense. Um, that bill's already there. It's already mm -hmm. sitting in the legislature. And 
I don't know if I could imagine Kasich signing that one, but I can absolutely imagine DeWine signing that one. I think he's that kind of an extremist. And also he's at the end of his career, you know, uh, where Mike DeWine or where John Kasich has additional aspirations for president and other things. I, I think Mike DeWine, he's at the end of the road. You know, he's, you know, he's been attorney general. He's been in the Senate. He's had all these positions. Being Ohio governor is going to be the pinnacle of his career. That's the end. So he doesn't care what happens after that. Uh, and I think that's what makes him incredibly dangerous. Um, one of the many reasons he's being incredibly dangerous to the, the women and families of Ohio if he were be, to be elected in November. Right. That uh, that role as governor is incredibly important. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's the reason why we are so grateful for uh, having a pro-choice champion like Rich Cordray um, running alongside Betty Sutton, who's, you know, a, stellar, stellar, a, you know, an amazing woman. In also, also like from Barberton, which is Akron adjacent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Was she born in the same hospital as uh, you and LeBron? <laughs> I have not investigated that, but given how fabulous she is, I would not be surprised. Um, Cordray Sutton have been, uh, absolutely terrific, uh, on speaking up in support of reproductive rights, uh, support for, uh, abortion access. Um, you know, they, they have not in any way, um, minced their words or, you know, hidden behind, uh, supporting women in this, um, running down ticket from them. Um, is someone uh, who's going to be incredibly valuable is Steve Dadelbach uh, yes. running for attorney general to replace Mike DeWine. Absolutely. And, you know, if something passes in lame duck, the next attorney general is going to decide whether or not they defend that or how vigorously do they defend that um, is going to be able to offer legal advice on uh, future actions for the legislature and also decide what to do with legislation that's currently pending. You know, right. all the defunding Planned Parenthood bills, all of the, the legislation that's pending, that's challenging all of these ridiculous, ridiculous targeted regulations on abortion providers. You know, the next attorney general is going to have a lot of uh, discretion over what happens in those instances. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people really understand like the governor, they're like, wow, okay governor can veto, um, you know, governor, you know, appoints the people who run the Department of Health and other agencies that have been completely taken over by anti-choice ideologues um, and, and run more as, you know, kind of political witch hunt agencies rather than healthcare agencies. So, you know, I think people really understand that, but the attorney general um, has an incredible amount of power, uh, as we've seen, because Mike DeWine has used that power, often inappropriately. I mean, he's drug the state of Ohio into amicus briefs on the Hobby Lobby case, you know, going after whether or not your boss can decide if you get birth control in your health insurance, which you worked for and you earned, um, to even getting involved in cases. There was a, a couple of cases in Texas where unaccompanied minors um, needed to uh, be able to access abortion care while they were detained. And he was like, yeah, no, they should not be able to do that. Even though it cost the taxpayers nothing, it was all arranged. You know, I mean, that's the level of involvement that both the Trump administration and Mike DeWine have gotten into. Birth control, individuals' decisions on this. I mean, there's, there's, there's no place that they won't go on this. And, they, and I think the combination 
of a President Trump with a Governor DeWine, both of whom are more than willing to punish women who have abortions is, is terrifying. Right. Absolutely um, is. You know, if, if, if this isn't the motivator for people to register, to vote, to take people with them, um, if this, I mean, if this isn't the time, I don't know when is, uh, this, this is fundamental because I think a lot of people used to look at the Supreme court as the firewall, right? Like, you know, if your state legislature does something boneheaded, the, the courts will eventually sort it out and they'll make it right. Um, we can't count on that anymore, uh, regardless of what happens with this nominee. I mean, because, you know, their side has youth and time on their side, you know, even, even if we win this, this battle, there are going to be others soon after. And, you know, so we can't, we can't depend on the Supreme court. That's never been a good plan. We have to build a firewall here in Ohio. We have to have a pro-choice governor. We have to have a pro-choice attorney general, and we have to have enough votes in the legislature to stop the anti-choice zealots from overriding a governor or from passing more restrictions. Um, you know, Ohio women have been pushed as far as we can go. Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll put our first, uh, way to take action for people to begin getting involved in this, in the show notes. Um, we're starting off by, um, asking supporters to reach out to Sherrod Brown to thank him for his support. Um, we, we know we don't need to remind him, but we always want to, uh, make sure he hears from, uh, supporters, uh, you know, who's, who want to see, uh, Roe be protected, uh, that he hears from them and knows that um, we all have his back because he has ours. Well, and he, look, their office is going to be hearing from all kinds of anti-choice people. You know, they, they need to hear from us too, um, you know, so that he can talk about, hey, my constituents, you know, 70% of the calls I'm getting are saying, you know, don't confirm somebody unless they would uphold Roe. Um, you know, he, he needs that political support. And in addition to um, signing the petition, um, our national office at NARAL has set up an 800 number where you can call the 800 number and get patched through to Sherrod Brown's office or to Rob Portman's office. And one of the reasons it's nice to use that number is they can get a count on how many phone calls are going in, which is important because we can talk about how many people are taking action. Right. Um, and that number is 844-515-2798. So it's 844-515-2798. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. And you can tweet at these guys. <laughs> you should be yeah. tweeting at these guys. Um, I know that there are hashtags are being used or hashtag Roe v. Wade or hashtag what's at stake or hashtag save SCOTUS or hashtag ditch the list. There's all sorts of them. Pick one. <laughs> right. I don't know why there's so many, but pick one. Call, tweet, um, write a letter to the editor, uh, many ways to get involved. Super important right now to be heard and to sustain that. You know, this is, this is going to be a battle over the summer into the fall. Um, and then we're going to be in lame ducks. So pretty much between now and the end of the year, uh, it, I think what people really need to do is pledge to say, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something every week 
if possible, I'm going to do something every day, whether it's send an email, make a phone call, talk to somebody. Um, you know, this is the time to really take action, to not not just sit there and and worry about it, but to really take action and do something because now is when it really counts. And I think, look, I, you know, I get it. The misery index is really high. It seems like they're coming at us from every direction. I mean, they're, they're putting babies in cages for God's sake. Um, but all of these issues are intertwined. Um, you know, as we stand up to, um, Trump's attempts to take over the court, we're also standing up for people who, are migrant workers who are immigrants. We're standing up for people who are, you know, have, um, who are married, who are same-sex couples, who are worried that their marriages might be annulled. You know, we're standing up for civil rights, for voting rights. All of those things are intertwined and all of those things are at stake right now. So um, this, is, this is an opportunity to take action on all of the issues you care about by, by standing up and fighting for this Supreme Court. Right. Um, so those are, those are ways to, um, take action from home, uh, the, the calls and the tweets and stuff. Um, there's a bunch of events, uh, as we wrap up the show here that we want to make sure people know about, um, starting with, uh, the first repro health happy hour in Cleveland on July 11th. People are Um, very excited to get their cocktail on. People need a drink right now and a hug, and people are so excited. It's going to be a massive turnout. <laughs> uh, that's going to be at Prosperity Social Club uh, on July 11th at 5:30. Um, details for all of these events, uh, as always, are in the show notes. Um, or if you're on Facebook, search for Narrow Pro Choice Ohio. Look at the events tab. It's always the best place to find updated information. And Prosperity um, Club is amazing great drinks. It's old school. They've got all the fun bar games um, and it's owned by a fabulous pro-choice business owner, women business owner. So everything about it's good. (laughs) Um, There's going to be organizing meetings that are joint uh, hosted between our office uh, and Planned Parenthood uh, Advocates of Ohio. Um, on July 12th in Cincinnati, July 17th, there's one in Akron uh, and one in Dayton. Uh, July 23rd is a uh, rapid response meeting up in Toledo. Uh, so if you want to get involved and come out and meet other volunteers, other activists, uh, check the show notes for meetings. Uh, July 26th is the next Repro Health Happy Hour here in Columbus. That's going to be a growl. Um, and then the last one I wanted to plug here uh, is uh, um, the Columbus Stands Up for Choice uh, at Ace of Cups uh, on August 21st. Um, you know, the, the comedians here in Columbus have been very active uh, in support uh, of the pro-choice movement. Um, so everybody come out to Ace of Cups on August 21st. They're um, amazing. Yeah. Kudos to all those comedians. We're so lucky. Yeah. So uh, next week, uh, this time, uh, we'll know who the next nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court is, uh, along with additional details um, uh, for, for people to, to get involved. Uh, I'm going to be out. So Jamie uh, and the crew here in the office are going to run their own podcast recording. What? Podcast without Mr. Man? Yeah, we'll see how that Our goes. official mascot and host? Yeah. Oh, no. Um, So everybody, uh, be sure to tune in next week for additional details, more information on the next nominee uh, and how you can uh, speak up. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you.
Okay, bye.